Kamita, thank you for your welcome. Thank all of you for your welcome. I'm the leader of Grace Church Hackney, which is uh, an Anglican church that meets just at the top of uh, Hoxton Market. We meet in St. Anne's at 5.15 in the afternoon. So it's very good to be with you. I've been to St. John's quite a lot by now, uh, and there are lots of faces that are beginning to look familiar. So uh, I'm glad that Graham invited me to be here. I bring the greetings of Grace Church. We are, we're, we're thrilled that uh, we have fellowship with you uh, and with other Christians too in such a close area. Today I want us to think for a little while about gentleness. Our reading said that it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. If as Christians we're keeping in step with the Spirit and if we are looking to the Lord Jesus by faith day by day, then gentleness is something that we should expect to appear within us and within the life of our church community. And gentleness is one of those things that you know it when you see it, because it has to be done, doesn't it? Gentleness is about being sensitive to the needs and the feelings of others. It's about being careful with them. It's about recognizing that human beings are fragile and should be handled with care. Sometimes um, people ask me if they can borrow a book from me because they know that, because I'm a vicar, the vicars always have to have lots of books, don't they? So they ask me if they can borrow a book, but they know that when I loan them a book, I want them to treat it gently. I don't like the spine bent back. I don't like people scribbling on my books. I don't like them folding over the corner um, to tell them how far they've got in the book. Some other people are like that, I can see. And gentleness is about more than just treating books carefully. It's about treating human beings carefully. Let me come at it from another direction. The last few months, there have been lots of things happening in the world and in our country, haven't there? And one of the things that's dominated the headlines has been the Labour Party and the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn. And this morning, I'm not going to say whether Corbyn's a good thing or a bad thing. That's for you to make your minds up as you talk with one another. But one of the reasons he was elected leader was because he said he wanted to introduce a new kind of politics. This is what he said. Fundamentally, many people are totally turned off by a style of politics which seems to rely on the levels of clubhouse theatrical abuse that you can throw across at each other in Parliament and across the airwaves. It's true, isn't it? I think lots of people were attracted by that. They were fed up of politicians abusing each other and other people. They wanted a more gentle kind of politics. Now, underneath all of that about gentleness, I think there's something about power, isn't there? Power is something like the ability to get the job done. You wake up in the morning and there's a whole list of things maybe that you have to get done, whether at home or at at, uh, work or where you study, uh, and you need the energy and the power to get through them. And sometimes we begin to imagine that power is about force and aggression. And it can sometimes slip over into abuse. So a few months ago, um, 
myself and some of my family and friends went on the March for Refugees. Do you remember it? Um, it was quite a sort of off-the-cuff march that happened through Westminster. And it was a good thing to say that in Britain we wanted to welcome people from war-torn areas of Britain. But there was this dark side to the march too, at least for me, and as much of it seemed very aggressive, and much of the chanting aimed at politicians was abusive. Sometimes power can feel like that, can't it? We rightly want to get things done. The world is full of injustice. There are things in our lives and the lives of other people that need to be changed. But when we think about power, it's about force and aggression. And if that's true in national politics, it's true about our own lives, isn't it? I, um, my bedroom is right at the front of where we live, and it goes onto our street. Uh, and it happens through the year, but in the last few weeks, because it's been warm, the window has been wide open, and we hear people passing at all times of day and night. And oftentimes they're full of joy and happiness. They've had a good night out or they've had a good day in the sun uh, and there's lots of happiness on the street. But quite often, people will walk past arguing. You shouldn't be like this. Be another way. And they'll try and twist and turn and forcefully make one another different. I'm like that sometimes, and I bet you are too. Now against all of that, gentleness can sound attractive, gives us an alternative, but can also sound a bit ineffective, a bit weak. Gentleness will never achieve anything. It's attractive because it means that the strongest don't always win if gentleness is powerful. But it can also sound ineffective. Who ever got anything done by being gentle? And maybe in the church, we can easily begin to think that way. As I prepared this sermon, I thought to myself, when did I last preach a sermon on gentleness? When did I last mention gentleness? When did the groups of people who get together in our church to study the Bible ever study about gentleness? That same March for refugees, we got there um, onto Whitehall a little bit early, and there were a group of Christians before the main march arrived who were standing outside Downing Street, and they looked like they came from all different kinds of churches and all different parts of the world, and they were singing walking in the light of God. Do you know that song? And if I'm going to be honest, my immediate reaction was to roll my eyes and think, oh, typical Christians. All the action is up the road, this big, powerful march, and you've got this handful of people singing a song that nobody else knows. Is that going to change anything? Maybe it does, more than we imagine. A witness to another way of being in the world. Another way of getting things done. 
As I thought about gentleness this week, I was surprised by our first reading that we heard this morning from Isaiah 40. Do you remember it? It's kind of a wonderful passage. Maybe if you've read the Bible a lot, it's one of those passages that you go back to because it's, um, it's so wonderfully full of God. The prophet Isaiah is writing to ancient Israel. The nation is in deep trouble. Israel's about to be overrun and taken into exile in Babylon. They need something to change. But in chapter 40, Isaiah begins to give Israel a message of comfort and hope. All is not lost. God will rescue them. And so at the end of our passage, he says, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. Isn't that what you'd want to hear if you were miserable in exile? God is coming in power. He'll get the job done. Babylon will get what it deserves. God the mighty warrior will lay waste to the enemies of his people. It sounds like an old style politics built on force and aggression, doesn't it? Do you remember that film Pulp Fiction? It's one of those films, some people like it, some people it's a bit too much. But there's quite a famous scene in Pulp Fiction where Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta, the two kind of gangsters at the heart of the film, have to go and settle a debt on behalf of their boss. Do you remember it? And they burst into this room of young men who owe them money and haven't settled up. And they pull their guns out and they begin to quote the Bible at them. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Do you remember it? And then there's this bloodbath. Is that what Isaiah 40 is about? Is that how God gets the job done in his world? Well, listen to verse 11 of Isaiah 40. The sovereign Lord tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. The powerful God who created heaven and earth is like a gentle shepherd to his people. Isn't that a beautiful image? God holds his fragile, vulnerable lambs close to his heart. I'm not very good with animals, even though I'm from South Wales and should know a lot about sheep. It's kind of um, it's difficult for me to get my head around shepherd images. But I do remember something from my childhood um, in West Wales. I don't know, I must have been about 10. Uh, and there was a woman in our church who had been quite a senior nurse. And she said to me and my sister, I'm going to buy a dog. It's going to be a puppy. Do you want to come and pick it up with me? And we jumped at the chance. And when we eventually got there, it was quite a long drive to the breeder's house. We discovered that she was buying a chihuahua. You know those chihuahuas? 
little bit like a rat on a, on a lead. Sorry if you've got a chihuahua at home. But a baby chihuahua, you could hold it in the palm of your hand. And I remember the long drive home, my sister and I cared for this tiny animal, being gentle with it, caring for it, holding it to us to keep it warm. That's the image of the God who comes to deliver his people powerfully from Babylon. He comes gently, holding his people to his heart. So isn't it easy to read the power and gentleness as two opposing bits of who God is? When he wants to get stuff done, like creating the universe or defeating his enemies or conquering evil, then he unleashes his power. But when he wants to be kind and just hang out with people, then he goes into gentle mode. Nothing gets done when he's being gentle. His hands are too full with lambs. Let's go forward to the words of Jesus. Do you know these words of Jesus? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, the gentleness of God finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ, who is the Good Shepherd, come to carry not just the lost sheep of Israel, but all the lost sheep of the world. And he describes himself as gentle and humble in heart. So that's a shock for our power as force, gentleness is for the kids' culture. The more you read the life of Jesus in the Gospels, the more you realize that he gets stuff done through gentleness. He turns up unnoticed in a feeding trough in a small town on the very edge of empire, away from the centers of power. He spends the best part of 30 years unknown, and then when he does go public, it's in a river with a strange prophet and a dove. No PR machine, no fanfares, no armies. And Jesus changes people with gentle words and actions. Follow me. Rise up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. Here's the best wine. Who touched me? Give me some water to drink. Go and sin no more. Your faith has made you whole. Little girl, arise. He doesn't force or manipulate anyone into his kingdom. And Jesus is gentle to the end. Rather than forcefully resisting his arrest, he tells the disciples to put away their swords. 
He stands silent before Pilate and quietly goes to his death, gently caring for his mother. And it is through his death that he gets the job done, forgiving sins and defeating the enemies of life. And even in the most powerful event the world has ever seen, his resurrection, Jesus comforts a weeping woman in a garden. He walks alongside two friends and has a meal with them. He restores Peter over breakfast. It seems that God's power to get things done in and through Jesus is best seen in gentle words and actions. They're not two different things, power and gentleness. The kingdom of God turns all our ideas of power upside down. Let me tell you a story of a friend of mine now. He was in London. He's no longer in London. He's moved to another city elsewhere in Europe. But he used to run a community cafe. It was a cafe designed for everybody who lived in the neighborhood. And all sorts of people used to come in it and through it. And he says for a period of time, he watched a young man who used to come in. And he became aware that he was stealing stuff. He watched him often enough to realize uh, that he wasn't inventing it. He watched it often enough to realize that it was a pattern. The young man kept doing it. Now, what would you do if you owned a cafe and you saw somebody doing that? See, if it was me, I would probably go up to them and say, you're banned. You can't come back anymore. If I was having a, a really severe day, I'd probably phone the police on them as well. None of you will ever come into a cafe I run now, will you? My friend went up and he said to the boy, you've been stealing from me, haven't you? And um, the boy looked at him with fear in his eyes and he acknowledged through the expression on his face that he'd been caught. And my friend said to him, how about you come and work in the cafe? And he offered him a job. Now, at one level, he might have been completely mad to do that. But at another level, doesn't it capture something of gentleness? That instead of coming down on this kid like a ton of bricks, he reaches out to him with gentleness. He says, come on in. Come on in. And through that kind of gentleness, people and situations and cities and countries can be transformed through the power of God because it's the way that he changes things in and through Jesus. So as I end this morning, what about you? What about me? As we gaze on our gentle saviour this morning, we're invited to turn away from the desire to control people or to change people by force. We're invited to give up manipulation and abuse. Isn't it a bit wearying sometimes 
to keep trying to get people to do what you want them to do by pushing them and shouting at them and prodding them and forcing them. Jesus invites us into another way of life, a powerful way of life. It's got the power of the Spirit underneath it and through it and over it. Where he says, be gentle as I am gentle. Keep in step with my spirit. Gently persuade people by sometimes being willing to lose the argument and maybe lose some of the things that you think are most important in life as you reach out. Let me end with some words from um, an American woman. She writes novels, she writes essays, she speaks. And when one of her pieces, which is called Our God Haunted World, she says this. We can rejoice in the Lord because he first rejoiced in us. Isn't that true? And because he has put his mighty blessing on every gentleness we offer one another. Let our gentleness be known to everyone. Wouldn't that be a great thing to pray for St. John's Hoxton that you would be known within Hoxton as a church full of spiritual life and because of that you are a gentle community where people encounter the gentle power of Jesus. Let's take a moment of silence to pray that would be true in our lives and then I'll pray for us. Father, thank you that you have sent the Lord Jesus into the world to save it and to renew it and to change it. And we thank you that he is gentle. Send your spirit upon us so that we too might be gentle as he is gentle. To the glory of your name. Amen.